Happy New Year. It's Ricardo, and here's the lineup for the Popping Collars feed in January 2021. Betsy, Liz, Greg, and I choose our favorite Netflix originals on Popping Collars. Take two features the return of John White, who's coming back to talk about the changing world of internet news. It's a new year and a new set of movies for Greg and Betsy on Going On 30. They're looking back at the movies of 1990, beginning with Penny Marshall's Awakenings. Speaking of new things, The Sacred Six begins a new deep dive this month. Special guest Eric Matoyer joins Betsy to talk about six episodes of The Wire. Thanks for listening and keep those collars popped. It's like D'Angelo Barksdale says, the king stays the king. This is the Sacred Six. Welcome back to a brand new Sacred Six. Sometimes an item in pop culture is just too big for one podcast episode, and that's where this show steps in. I'm your host, Greg Knight. I have got two special guests for this series. The first one you know well, Betsy Carmody. How are you, Betsy? I am doing great, Greg. Doing great just here in Alexandria, Virginia. Episcopal High School chaplain getting it done. Nice. And we have Eric Matoye as well. Welcome back, Eric. Tell our audience where you are and what you're doing. Thank you for bringing me back, Eric Matoye, over at St. Francis Episcopal Church in San Francisco. A new gig as of September 1. The most amazing time to start working, start running a (laughs) parish is in the middle of COVID, which matches, as these two know, moving into a new house into COVID hotspot on April 1, right as the shutdown began. So living the life and the life is good. Uh, God has made all things new for you, my friend. (laughs) Amen. Amen. (laughs) Our focus for the Sacred Six this time around is the critically acclaimed HBO series from the early 2000s, The Wire. Now, I know what you're thinking. Haven't you done an episode on The Wire? No, we haven't. We've done two episodes on The Wire. We did a legit popping collars way back in the early days of the pod. And recently we had Eric back on to do a take two about The Wire. But listen, I am a firm believer that this is the most important television drama ever made. And therefore, it's deserving of a deep dive. Eric, Betsy, and I are going to analyze not just one, but six episodes And we're kicking things off with season one, episode three, The Buys. Eric, can you do me a favor? Yes, sir. Can you succinctly tell us everything we need to know about season one of The Wire? Season one of The Wire actually sets up the story of the business of drugs in Baltimore. On one side, you've got your basic police procedural cop show. But what is amazing about this season is it sets up not only how the police set up a electronic surveillance of a target, but it also sets you up on how drugs are sold and the organization of the drug of the drug trade on the street. So you see two organizations happening at once and all the conf- internal conflict on both sides. Betsy, what's the best scene 
from the buys. So I should say at the beginning of this, this has been a pop culture blind spot for me. This was not a show that I had watched, even though there are so many things in my background that I should have watched this show. I'm living in the DC Baltimore area. I worked at the Washington Post. I, you know, this should have been on my radar. And for some reason, whether as Eric pointed out before we started, I was in seminary, I was having a baby, like whatever I was doing, it just did not happen. And so I was like, all right, COVID's happening. This is going to be one of the things I'm going to take down. And then I became one of those people completely converted. And all I want to talk about with people is the wire. And I kept bringing it up with anyone who I came in contact with six feet apart with masks on talking about the wire. I think for me, looking at season one, as you're kind of getting this, this pantheon of characters kind of under, under wrap the scene for me, it was the scene where the cops bust into try to take down the stash house and just the violence when people there are not doing anything. The moment when I think it was Bodie kind of lashes back and hits that officer who desperately wants to get injured so he can retire. Lucky for him. And so, but wax him. And then, and then Greg's is running over. And I think Greg's is running over to like stop what's happening because they start whooping on him. Right. But she goes over to get in her licks. This is why, and thinking about Freddie Gray and everything in Baltimore, just like this is the relationship between the police and people of color. Yeah. This is what it looks like, just the systemic nature of that moment. And the dehumanization of that moment, I was like, oh, my Lord. Oh, man. And it's the us versus them. I mean, think about what Kima says in that moment where she's like, you hit a cop. You hit a cop. And she just goes after that guy. She just pounds on Bodhi. For me, that was the most impactful scene. What about you, Eric? Uh, What scene stood out for you? So I love what you brought up, Betsy. Uh, I'm going to take over for a quick sec just because you brought up that that guy was looking for a fall. Right. And what my, and I'll share this from my Lance Corporal, my Lance Corporal who lives at home at the moment, who said he took the fall for himself, but it also took the fall for that whole raid that what they wanted to do is wail on somebody. And the moment he took that fall, it gave them the excuse to let loose. And if you throw that up 10 years later, they wouldn't have needed that excuse, but right. he gave them that excuse to lay on everybody. For me, the strongest episode was at the beginning when they teach the kids to play chess. Mm-hmm. Yo, what was that? Hmm? Castle can't move like that. Yo, Castle move up and down and sideways like. Nah, we ain't playing that. Man, look at the boy playing checkers. <laughs> checkers? Yeah, checkers. <laughs> yo, why y'all playing checkers on the chess set? <laughs> Man, we ain't got no checkers. Yeah, but yo, chess is a better game, yo. So? <laughs> nah, hold up, hold up. Y'all don't know how to play chess, do you? So? So? So nothing, man. Look, I'll teach y'all if y'all want to learn. I come on, man. Nah, come on. Right in the middle of the game, yo. Chill out. I want to see look, this. Y'all yo. can't be playing no checkers or no chess, right. boy, yo. All right, all right, all right, man. Now look, check it. It's simple. It's simple. See this? This the kingpin, all right? And he the man. You get the other dude's king, you got the game. And he trying to get your king, too. So you got protected. Now the king, he moved one space, any direction he damn choose, cause he's the king. Like this, 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 all right? I like your uncle. Yeah, like my uncle. And you see this? This the queen. She's smart, she fierce. She move any way she want, as far as she want. Remind me of Stringer. 
<laughs> and this over here is the castle. It's like the stash. You move like this and like this. Dog, stash don't move, man. Come on, yo, think. How many times we moved the stash house this week? Right? And every time we move the stash, we gotta move a little muscle with it, right? To protect it. True. True. We right. Alright, these right here. These are the pawns. They like the soldiers. They move like this. One space forward only. Except when they fight. And it's like like this. And they like the front lines. They be out in the field. So how do you get to be the king? It ain't like that. See, the king stay the king. Alright? Everything stay who he is. Except for the pawns. And for pawn, made it all the way down to the other dude's side. You get to be queen. Alright, so if I make it to the other end, I win. If you catch the other dude's king and trap it, then you win. Alright, but if I make it to the end, I'm top dog. Nah, yo, it ain't like that. Look, the pawns, man, in the game, they get capped quick. They be out the game early. Unless they some smart-ass pawns. And chess became that metaphor for what they do. As somebody who grew up in a very, in a very rural part of the world, we still had chess classes. That was kind of a norm in school that, okay, you got to learn chess. It's a good way to keep the kids occupied for 30 minutes during recess when it's snowing and you can't go outside. But this became teaching the game of chess and the strategy of chess of this is how we run our organization. The rooks, you keep moving the stash and you protect the king. Mm-hmm. Move the stash, protect the king. Make sure Avon, Stringer, they don't get touched. Mm-hmm. Pretty ingenious. The chess scene is the pivotal scene for the entire series, I would say, because it, yes. it tells you everything that you need to know about the show going forward as far as like how things work and how systems work, how the system works. There's a kingpin. You do everything you can to protect the kingpin. There's the get stuff done person. There's the uh, product, right, that has to keep moving. And then there's the soldiers that all they can do is just go forward. So that actually brings me to my big idea for this episode, which is just that. It's setting up the rules of the game. And I want to think about this in terms of the pawns. How does this episode help us understand what the rules of the game are going forward? How do we understand people's roles? And are people locked into their roles? Can you switch roles? I mean, there's there's definitely the systemic limitations of the game and of then dealing with the systems of the city and government and, and law enforcement happening. It does speak to this element of can we change our stripes yeah. in the way that like Stringer wants to change himself and become something different. Can police change who they are or do they just fall back into this system that doesn't work that they complain about all the time you know wouldn't it be nice to be in a a police system that actually works is that like over and over and over again throughout the series i'm going to pick up also uh detective freeman because it's a police and i like seeing the procedural part seeing how that first unit starts that they're holed up in the basement they're doing traditional surveillance work and they all bring all their bad habits with men. So you've got the two older guys that are just looking for retirement. 
that basically go out and, and knock back about one or 12 at the, at the local, at the local's corner spot and then come back at the end of shift to clock out. Freeman's doing his thing exactly that's of just building toy furniture that somebody right. says, oh yeah, he makes more money selling toy furniture than he does than he does on on any police detail. Uh, so everyone's got their own way of being checked out except for Herc and his and his buddy who are trying to still stay police in Kima. And yet they slowly find their ways of getting engaged in this new form of police work of electronic surveillance of trying to figure out how to make this work. And to me, that's the amazing part. And I love Freeman's story because he starts out as a guy who makes other guys hide out in a bar so no one can see them. He takes his hobby to work and spends his time. He makes no, he, he, everyone sees him making dollhouse furniture to sell Mm -hmm. probably on eBay or something else at work. That's all his desk is full of. And he stays disengaged until they start talking about the wire. And then suddenly his ears perk up and he starts getting engaged in the game because this is, this for him is a new game. It is. It is. Cause he gets, he knows that when, once he gets the wire, he knows that he gets to chase the money and not the drug dealers, Exactly, uh, which is his whole purpose. I'm curious who are the pawns in this game? I don't know that D'Angelo sees himself as a pawn. Hmm. I don't know enough about Charles to be like, what's one step up? Like, what is like one? He's a knight. Maybe. maybe. Yeah, I think that's right. the aspiration mm-hmm. for him that he wants to work his way up in this organization and is asking questions like, where does the money go? Like, what, you know, what do you do with all of that? And, you right. know, dropping off at the strip club at Orlando's. And I think he believes he's talking to pawns. But maybe he's the pawn. Right. But he's still expendable as far as Avon and definitely as far as Stringer's concerned. Yeah, and maybe that's the definition of who the pawns are on the show. The expendable ones are the pawns, and there are a lot of expendable people in the game. So who wins the episode, Eric? Who wins episode three of the buys? D'Angelo. Mm. I say D'Angelo because he's the one who stays on stays on top. He's the one who teaches the game because he knows the game in both definitions. He knows chess, so he teaches chess, but he also teaches the game to the pawns because he knows how the game is played. Nice. What about you, Betsy? Who's the MVP? I mean, because I could probably name him for every episode, but I'm going to go with it now. We'll see if he comes up again. I'm going to go with Bob's. Go with Bubbles. Oh, Bubbles. I like the way he weaves in and out of this episode. This is when we're really seeing how he's acting as a CI. Yeah. What is his mm. role as an informant? He starts out with his little hat game at the beginning with the guys and the red hat always means that this person is important. And, and then that moment when I forget the young police officer's name, Sidnor, Sidnor comes out and he's like, you know, I got on these ratty clothes. I mean, he's essentially trying to dress like Mm -hmm. bubbles dresses Mm -hmm. as an addict. And when he talks about, but there's no vials on the bottoms of your shoes, idiot. Like you got to kind of, you got to, I mean, people would look for that. People would know that. Bubbles should come up quite a bit uh, as we talk through this, because I I think that you're totally right. I think he shows the most growth of any character on the show. So it'll be fun to track him as we go through these episodes. And that is it. First one in the books. Next up will be season two, episode 11, Bad Dreams. We're headed to the docks next time. You guys up for that? 
I'll see you from my loft apartment at the granary. That's right. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> we'll see you then. All Peace right. out. Bye.